Father's Day. I got a new shirt, and being a good being a good father, I wore it. But they did good, uh, and it's it's a it's an honor to be a dad. And uh, my wife uh, Carol is in uh, Seattle this weekend as she's seeing uh, our oldest daughter and her family and uh, our four grandkids uh, that are there. And uh, also this morning, uh, Thomas, uh, appreciate your prayers. Uh, he came down with something yesterday, uh, and he was thinking he was getting over the hump, and all of a sudden he got a fever. Uh, and so he's like, uh, he uh, walked in and handed me a baton and said, uh, you're on. <laughs> so I need your prayers too. Uh, and uh, no, it's, a, it's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to look at, uh, continue looking at this book of Philemon. Sir Thomas More, the Lord Chancellor of England under King Henry VIII, he spoke these words to the judges who unjustly condemned him to death. Quote, As the blessed apostle Paul consented to the death of Stephen and kept their clothes that stoned him to death. And yet, be they now both twain holy saints in heaven and shall continue there as friends forever. So, verily I trust and shall therefore heartily pray that though your lordships have now here on earth been judges to my condemnation, we may yet hereafter in heaven merrily all meet together to our everlasting salvation. Can you imagine saying that to the person who's just condemned you to death? But the reason he was able to say something that profound was because he had a biblical grid rather than just a personal grid of how he viewed the world. Injustices like this are why we should forgive others. Why should I receive back a person who has sinned against me in the way that Thomas More was willing to say, I'm glad to be your friend in heaven? Should the Lord deem that the case? Why is it that uh, we should not hold a grudge against those that hurt us and instead exact some revenge? That's an option that Thomas More could have attempted. He could have called out into the crowd and asked someone to take vengeance upon those who were proclaiming his death. Why should you and I no longer hold on to the guilt that others owe us because they've hurt us? If we're quite honest, those are questions that many of us wrestle with on a regular basis when past hurts are brought up or the word forgiveness is expressed. As we're going to be looking, uh, continuing to look at this letter, uh, that the Apostle Paul, who's in prison in Rome, is writing to a friend named Philemon. 
And he's a member of the church in Colossae, which is one of the cities in uh, today, present, present day Turkey, then was called Asia Minor. And the, the pastor of that church, Epaphras, had come to him while he was in prison and said, we got problems in our church. We have false teachings that are occurring and we need help and counsel. So the Apostle Paul, writing from prison, wrote a letter to the Colossians, which is in our Bible. And then he also wrote a letter to Philemon because his servant, his runaway slave named Onesimus, had fled Turkey, came all the way to Rome, somehow came in contact with the Apostle Paul while he was in prison, and he became a Christian. And so Paul not only sent this letter to the church at Colossae with Epaphras, he also sent other men, and he sent Onesimus, this runaway slave who had stolen from his master, Philemon. And so after the letter was read to the church in Colossae that Paul had written to them, they also, in front of everybody, read a letter that Paul had written to the person of Philemon. Could you imagine if uh, you didn't know uh, what was sent to you in your mailbox, a letter, and someone else went and snatched it, and they said, we're going to read that in front of everyone at church. Could you imagine how exciting that would be? Uh, and that's what happened for Philemon, is his letter to him personally was not just handed to him. It was read to the whole church. Now, there's some accountability. There's a challenge. And as we have seen in the, the previous weeks, the purpose for this letter was calling Philemon as a slave owner a Christian, a leader in this church to forgive and accept back into his home Onesimus. And we're going to look at today the reasons that he gives for why he should forgive. Last week we saw that uh, one of the things that he tried to help Onesimus with is to help him look at the problem through God's eyes of sovereign grace. And not just simply through his own lens of he stole from me and he ran away. And by the way, in that day, if, if you were a slave and you ran away, what was the impact on your home or your business? If he's not there, you're losing money because you purchased that slave property and now he's not there. You're going to either have to purchase another slave. That's that's a, a greater expense for you in your business. Uh, that's lost wages. That's lost income. Every day he's gone, you're losing money. Or if he's a servant in the home, there's things that now you have to do that he did, or you had to purchase another slave. So as you can imagine... The, the loss here is significant. In that day where slave ownership was legal. And so, uh, what, what Paul, uh, encouraged Onesim, or uh, Philemon is to look at his situation from a biblical perspective, God's perspective. And one of those was 
that God was not wanting to simply bring this conflict between Philemon and Onesimus into his life for no reason, but he actually wanted to give God glory. Even though Philemon didn't see it, this was something that was going to bring him glory. He also wanted to uh, realize that this conflict could reveal the content of Philemon's heart. What did he believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Also, it would provide Philemon an opportunity to exercise the gospel and forgive. So today we're going to look at, after he's given Philemon a different perspective of how to look at the issue, he's going to challenge him today in what we read on why, what's the reason why he should forgive Philemon. So if you would, uh, got your Bibles there with you. If you would turn to uh, Philemon, it's uh, just one, one uh, chapter. And like we did last week, we're going to start with verse 8, so you get a good idea of the context. And our focus today is going to be on verses 17 uh, to 20. Philemon, verse 8. Therefore... Though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness not would, be, would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will." For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me even more, your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Let's pray. Precious Father, I just thank you for the principles that you have written for all time. Lord, thank you for allowing us to look into the private mail of someone else. And Lord, we could learn how to be, uh, how to have a godly perspective 
of those who've offended us. Lord, understand the importance of forgiveness. Lord, I pray that uh, you would minister to each one of us today. Lord, if, if we are struggling with bitterness today, my prayer, Lord, is that you would, you would touch us. Help us to see the majesty, majesty of your grace and your mercy. And Lord, that would be the motivation for us to extend grace and mercy to those who've hurt us. Lord, we love you and we thank you in advance for what you're going to teach us. In your son's name, amen. So what we're going to see in these uh, four verses is Paul is attempting to motivate Philemon to forgive and receive back his slave, Onesimus. Because he now understands that Philemon and Onesimus are not just slave and uh, master, but they're brothers in Christ. Paul also wants to inform Philemon that should he decide to forgive, his action would not only benefit Onesimus, it would benefit Paul. So as we look at these verses, I just want to encourage us to, to ask ourselves as we look at this story, this situation, these questions ourselves. As we look at past offenses against us, you and me, how well have you and I forgiven those who have hurt us in the past when they have asked to be forgiven? Has your version of living out the gospel of forgiveness exalted the mercy and grace of Christ? Or has it caused others to question Christ and doubt his message? And today, if you're, if you're struggling with bitterness, bitterness, is it possible for you to become a more effective ambassador for Christ? To those in your life that need a great physician, if you needed to humbly reconsider why God chose to die and forgive your sins. Because once we understand and we are have in mind what God has done for us, it impacts what we'll do for others. So let's go ahead and dive in on verse 17. Here he says, as Paul is uh, continuing in his appeal, he's not commanding uh, Philemon. He's appealing to his heart. Um, and so as he speaks to him, the first, the first point that is here in this passage in verse 17 is that he's calling Philemon to forgive Onesimus because of their partnership with each other in Christ. That's the point he wants to get to Onesimus. He wants him to see, he wants Philemon to see Onesimus differently. So let's dive in here in verse 17. Paul says, so if you consider me your partner, accept him as you would me. 
when he uses the term here, so, uh, he's drawing a conclusion here based upon uh, what he has said in the, the previous verse. And what he's saying is, is I appeal to Onesimus sending him back to you. And so that's why at this point, Philemon, I'm appealing to you to forgive him. Because it's all part of God's plan in the life of Onesimus, which neither one of them knew when Onesimus ran away. Also, when he uses the term, if you consider me your partner, when Paul says that to Philemon, it's the same word as we get koinonia, or fellowship, where we share in common. And so what what uh, Paul is pointing to is the spiritual unity in Christ and their common loyalty to Christ. So he's saying, if you would consider that Philemon, you and I are on the same team. You and I have fellowship in Christ. Would you then do the next thing I have to say? And that is, second part of verse 17, would you receive him or Onesimus as you would receive me? The word receive here is uh, an interesting word. It means to take to yourself. It means to receive back, to accept, to an extend a, a welcome. And it also can mean to accept back into your house. And of course, that would make sense here because Onesimus was a slave in his home and had run away. So Paul is, is uh, challenging him to receive Onesimus back into his home. And what's interesting is this is a command. And he's saying the way it's written in the Greek, do it now. Welcome him now. In this statement, what he's saying is that uh, he's calling Philemon to forgive Onesimus and reinstate Onesimus back into his home. So that's why the two are connected here. Earlier, Paul was saying to Onesimus, I'm sending you to go back to your master. And then here with Philemon, he's saying, accept him back uh, into your home. The best way to look at this is he said, if you would accept me or receive him in the same way that you would receive me. Uh, Imagine, if you would, if the apostle, one of the apostles was coming to your house. How would you treat that man? One of the 13, or if you want to call it 12 apostles, uh, he's coming to your house. You would show him respect, and uh, uh, you would uh, show him honor. And that's exactly what he was saying to Philemon. If you would show me honor, that's how I want you to treat Onesimus when he comes back into your home. Don't just take him back. Show him honor. Show him respect in the same way that you would do it to me. In verse 18, the next passage, he gives a second reason. So the first one uh, that we, we saw is that he's to forgive 
Onesimus because they are partners in ministry and in Christ. The second motivation that Paul gives Onesimus for forgiving uh, Philemon for forgiving Onesimus is because restitution has already been made. As you can imagine, Onesimus stole from him and there's lost wages. I, I need something here. I need something from Onesimus. And, and that's where Paul is addressing this issue in verse 18. He says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything. And the word there that he uses for wronged simply means to cause damage to someone or to mistreat someone. And that is definitely what happened here when Onesimus uh, stole and ran away uh, from Philemon. So what's good here is, is that Paul is acknowledging the loss that Philemon experienced. He's not minimizing it. He's not saying it didn't happen. He's acknowledging it. Yes, Onesimus has wronged you. And if he owes you anything, I acknowledge that. And the word there, owe, is regarding to a financial sense. He owes either money or lost time, lost wages. So what Paul then says in the second part of that verse is, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. In other words, the obligation that Onesimus may have, simply put that over into my account. I'll pay for that. In essence, the phrase here is is almost equivalent to, in the Greek, it's explaining that he's willing to write a promissory note of a loan. If Onesimus can't pay it, I'll pay it. And even though I'm in prison, I'm good for it. I'm willing to pay his debt. And so if the debt is what you're worried about, don't. Accept him back. Receive him into your home. But notice what Paul says. Not only does he say, I will repay it, but he comes uh, and he says that, uh, that he's written at the very end of a letter, as uh, Thomas had mentioned uh, when we were looking at the book of Colossians, many times Paul would have someone writing the letter for him. And at the very end, he in his own handwriting would write something just to verify that this letter came from him. And so what's what's really important here is, is that when it comes to this whole issue of calling Philemon to forgive and that I'm willing to pay, he says, I'm doing this in my own handwriting. It's like a signature. My signature is good. I'm committing to pay his debt if you require it of him. But Paul does something very interesting at this point. Notice what he says next. He said he's willing to pay himself. But he says to say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. Wow, what's he saying here? What's he saying to Philemon? 
what's the meaning? Some uh, translations will have it in a parenthesis, um, this little phrase. The, the idea is, actually, what Paul is saying is, Philemon, okay, so Onesimus may owe you something. But what he said was, you're still continuing to owe me. It's ongoing. You've never paid me. And the amount is open. See, the reason why he said this is, it, you can just write it down, but in Acts 19.9, uh, it explains why Paul said this. Uh, it doesn't say for sure there in Acts, but mo- most commentators believe it is true. That when the Apostle Paul was in the church of Ephesus, uh, which is in Asia Minor, it was kind of one of the main cities there, he stayed there for two years. And he set up a school of Tyrannus, it was called. And what occurred there is surrounding cities sent their their sharpest men to Ephesus to be trained by Paul. And then they went back and planted churches. The seven churches of Revelation, most commentators believe they were all planted from Ephesus. Ephesus was the mother church. Paul was the trainer and equipper. And then they were sent. More than likely, Philemon was one of those men who were trained for two years by the Apostle Paul. And he may have come to Christ during that time. And so Philemon is saying, so how much did you pay me, Philemon? For giving you the gospel and training for two years of my life. Did I ask any cash of you? You still owe me. So at this point, Paul is saying, if you want to hold to the letter of the law, so could I. If you want to require Onesimus to pay you back, should I call? You to uh, make payments to me for the time I invested in your life? What Paul more than likely was doing here is, hey, Philemon, forgive the man. Forgive the debt. In the same way I've asked you to pay nothing to me. What's interesting here is one commentator said in this two verses, Philemon is turned from the creditor to the debtor in the space of two verses. That's what Paul does. Onesimus owes you. Oh, next verse, you owe me. And possibly your salvation is because of me. Are you appreciative? Are you grateful for that? Do you understand the importance I've played in your life? And so Paul is challenging Philemon to be grateful and to not forget that his own salvation possibly was the result of Paul's ministry for which Philemon was never asked to pay. 
This scenario reminds me of a, a story that occurred at a previous ministry I was a part of. At our church, we had a gentleman named Jim. I'll just call him Jim. He was an unusual gentleman. He had a lot of health issues. And uh, he had never really, he had no father, really. And he had never been parented. And he was uh, late 30s, early 40s. He started attending our church and uh, didn't really know anyone. He kind of tried to, to befriend people in the congregation. And, uh, and then he started with time just saying very provocative things, very inappropriate things. He started doing things that were just not appropriate. And uh, it got to the point where uh, the elders and the deacons were taking time with him. But all of a sudden, we started getting complaints from women and teenagers. All of a sudden, we, we, we had a problem. Jim was someone attending our church. We wanted to be sharing Jesus with him, but he's doing some very inappropriate things, and we were concerned of where it could go next because it just kept ramping up the things that were occurring. And so in our discussion as an elder board, I proposed the idea of meeting with him and putting together a contract for laying out the terms for which he could continue to attend because we wanted him there. But the things that he was doing was absolutely uh, scary. <laughs> Typical mother would be, uh, who's that man at the church? Uh, so it was uh, something that we had to address. So I was willing to do that. So had him come into uh, my office, put together a contract. The other uh, elders looked it over. It's like, okay, this is what we'll do. And I uh, sat down, went over it with him. And I said, hey, these are the issues uh, that have been happening. The amazing thing is Jim didn't deny a single one of them. He's like, you're right. Uh, and I said, hey, so moving forward, we, we just have to require these things. And he, uh, he said, well, give me some time to think about it. I said, okay. Didn't hear from him. Just disappeared. Then all of a sudden I got a phone call from him. And he said, hey, sorry I haven't gotten back to you. I was crossing the street and a car hit me and I went through the windshield. All the doctors couldn't explain why I was still alive because of how fast the car was going and how hard I, uh, how many dents I put into the vehicle. And he goes, I had minor scratches and bumps. They all think I'm a walking miracle. And he said to me, but when I was in the hospital, it was time for me to think and reconsider where am I? Where am I going? I need to change my life. The reason I share that story is he came back, asked to meet with all the elders, went right around the room and asked for forgiveness from each of the men for his, I, you know, I don't even want to get into details, but some of the things he did and, and said were just outrageous. And he was one of those guys looking for a rise from people. And uh, he just asked everyone for, appreciated their patience and um, being willing to uh, consider even having him stay under certain conditions. He was appreciative of that. 
Well, the reason I share this story is he called me uh, this week. He calls me about every three to four months. And he says the same thing every single time he calls me. Within the first minute, he'll say, Bruce, have I ever told you or asked for your forgiveness for the rudeness and the disrespect and the defiance that I showed you? I say, yeah, Jim, yeah, you have. I sure appreciate that. And he goes, have have I told you how much I appreciate the fact that you were willing to sit down with me, address my sins, and call me to a standard of righteousness, and I didn't want that? Have I told you that it's because of that and the car hitting me that I know today I'm a Christian? And I'm not going to hell. Have I said thank you to you, Bruce? He says that same thing every three to four months. He's so grateful. And yet, I was not his favorite guy to see at our church, as you could imagine. But when God changed his heart, he was a different man. And he was grateful. And that's what the Apostle Paul is appealing to here with Philemon. Are are you grateful for the time that I put in your life? That I invested in your life? Do you understand that even though you had a loss financially and you were personally offended... Do you realize that because of that, God has used that to bring Onesimus, who was a slave to sin, and now he's a slave to Christ? Are you grateful for that? See, it's gratitude for our salvation that is so key when it comes to the issue of forgiveness. And that's why I wanted to share that story is I can't explain it, but he always wants me to know, Bruce, have I said I'm thank you to you? Yes, Jim, you have. You've said you're you're very grateful and I was glad to be a part. Sometimes our salvation becomes rather boring, unimportant insignificant because we forgot what salvation really means. Well, the last point that Paul brings here is in verse 20. He calls Philemon to forgive Onesimus because it brings benefits to everybody involved through Christ. In verse 20 there, Paul says, Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. So what what he's saying here is kind of in an emphatic way, Yes, Philemon, I know exactly what I'm asking of you, but doing it in a nice way. Yes, I know what you're thinking as you're hearing this read in front of everybody. Yes, yes, and yes. 
Notice how he says, yes, brother. Yes, brother. I, as your brother in Christ, who've led you to Christ, and Onesimus, your slave, who's now a brother in Christ, all three of these men, he wants Philemon to see her on equal footing in Christ. One commentator said, Paul's appeal here is by a brother to a brother on behalf of a brother. One was called Daryl, his other brother Daryl, and other brother Daryl. Okay, so, uh, uh, the, uh, and then he's saying, as he's appealing to him as a brother, he says, I want some benefit from you, Philemon, in the Lord. What benefit? He's asking him for a favor. He wants something in this transaction that he's calling Philemon uh, to do. And unfortunately, from Scripture, there's a lot of debate uh, among commentators as to what he's asking here, because uh, it's not really clear. It could be that he's uh, just simply saying, accept uh, Onesimus as you would me, and that's my benefit. The fact that you accept him, uh, you forgive him, wow. You bring peace to me in my heart. Thank you. That's one option based on uh, uh, verses 18 and 19 when he says, charge that to me. What he could be saying is the benefit here is is that uh, uh, Philemon gets the message and he forgives the debt. He completely nullifies it. He's not expecting uh, Onesimus to pay it. And then there's actually a third option that some commentators believe. Remember when uh, Paul, earlier in the message, he said he debated on sending Onesimus uh, to Philemon. And what was the reason for that? What was his preference? He, he wanted to keep him. He said, he's, he's a servant to me. He's a help to me. Uh, I would rather he stay here uh, and just ask by telephone. Uh, but uh, I don't want to compel you or force you. So what he did is, I'm sending Onesimus to you, and maybe the implication was, then when you forgive him, you send him back. And that's your payment to me for what I've done for you. So there's, there's different views here as to what Paul is saying when he says he wants some benefit in this decision in the Lord. And that's the key. Can I just say, especially when I'm uh, involved in biblical counseling, the, the key is the ability for people at a table to reconcile. It is amazingly a lot more effective when both are in the Lord. They both understand uh, the gospel and they both... Bye. <laughs> and, they, and they both... Uh, understand what God has required of them because they've been bought with a price and they're no longer their own. They have the same perspective about conflict. So that's why it's key when Paul is saying is, in the Lord, this is possible. And he's just asking him, would you bless me And by doing this, refresh my heart in Christ. 
The word refresh means to gain relief, to give rest. You can imagine the Apostle Paul sees Onesimus come to Christ and all of a sudden he realizes, oh, you're a runaway slave. Paul, being a man of the word, realizes, oh, Onesimus is in rebellion. He needs to go back and submit himself to his master. Notice, Paul doesn't say, let's start a rebellion and have all slaves uh, start a rebellion. No. The, the law of the land was, not saying that he supported slavery or not, that was just the law of the land. And he says, you're in rebellion. Because what does this say in Scripture? You can't say that you obey God and yet you're in rebellion against the state, right? Unless the state is asking you to be in rebellion against God. So that's why if Onesimus is wanting to be a man of God, he needs to go back and make this relationship right. And uh, if necessary, even make restitution. And so Paul, as you can imagine, he's wondering what's going to happen. You know, he's not there. All he can do is send a letter and send Onesimus. And he's saying, would you please accept him back, forgive him, and give me rest. How do we apply these principles to our personal life? Where we look at each other as partners in Christ. And uh, uh, we realize that we need to uh, realize that our restitution has already been made. If you would, why don't you flip over to Matthew 18. And what I'd like to do is look at uh, one of the most powerful parables that Jesus shares with his apostles. So how do these principles apply of Forgiving because we're brothers in Christ. Uh, Restitution has already been made by Christ. And so if we're in Christ, how do all these things relate to my forgiving someone who's offended me? And uh, the passage, I think, that speaks to this most powerfully, and my computer is frozen at the moment. Uh, Let me... Someone have a Bible I could borrow real quick? Thank you. Appreciate it. If my son-in-law Thomas were here, he would love this moment. He's like, see those electronics? I love it. That's great. (laughs) If you would look at uh, verse 21. The whole chapter of 18 is Jesus is talking about what do you do about the person who is falling away? If there's a there's 99 sheep and one is lost, what does a good shepherd do? He goes and gets him and restores him. This whole passage is about if someone sins, what do we do? How do we go get them? What's our role? What's our responsibility? So it's in the context of, of these things that Jesus is saying that this question comes up in verse uh, 21. Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? 
Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy, seventy-seven times, or actually uh, seventy times seven, which would be four ninety, uh, which uh, is not that important, but a lot. <laughs> Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. So what Jesus is going to do is he gives the answer and then he's going to illustrate his answer. So the quick answer many times doesn't get your attention. And he's like, let me tell you a story. And that's what he's going to do here to emphasize his point on forgiveness. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in your anger, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Wow. Short answer. Or kick you in the teeth with a story. Wow. Let me just share a few insights here on this passage to give you an idea of what Jesus was saying. When he said 10,000 talents, the first guy owed uh, the master. This is how much he owed. One talent is 75 pounds. So one talent is 75 pounds. So he had 10,000 in debt. So that would mean uh, if you multiply that out, he, had, he owed 750,000 pounds of gold. Pounds. 750,000 pounds. And... If you were to take pounds and translate that into troy ounces, then you have to multiply that by 12 because there's 12 troy ounces in every pound. So that means there are 
uh, 9 million ounces of gold that he owed. Now, if you were to take that by the $1,275 per ounce today, that would mean he owed $11.5 billion. Okay? Jesus was making it a point. The first guy had a debt nobody could pay. And yet, he was shown mercy. He was shown mercy. Never pay that, ever. Then he goes to his own fellow servant who owes him a hundred denarii. What was a denarii? It was one day's wages. So that means 100 days worth of work is how much he owed him. Three and a half months. 11.5 billion or three and a half months worth of wages. And he wouldn't forgive him. Choking him, throws him in prison and says, pay me every dime. So what was the response of the king who had been incredibly merciful? What did he call that first slave? What does it say there? What did he call him? Wicked. Wicked. Think about that for a minute. When I'm not grateful for God's forgiveness of my horrific Sins that are so great, so no debt that I could pay. Jesus was willing to pay that on the cross. That is offered to me for free. And then I'm going out to someone who's hurt me. I'm offended by them. I'm grabbing them by the throat and I'm throwing them in prison. What does God think about that? Yeah. Wicked. And then what does he do to the first slave who he just called wicked? He says, I turn you over to the torturers until you pay every last cent. Now, we don't want to get into the theology of that today. But can I just say that God is not pleased when one of his kids does not have gratitude for their salvation and they refuse to forgive someone who's offended them which is also puny in comparison so when the apostle Paul is appealing to Philemon and he's saying Philemon do you understand How great, how great the forgiveness that you've received. Why? Please, my friend, I appeal to you. Give joy to the Lord. Put a smile on his face and forgive this man who's coming repentant for his sins. And forgiveness is forgiving the debt. 
that is owed. The question on the table today is, does the mercy of God guide your relationships today? Or have you forgotten the abundance of his mercy that he has shown you? We all forget. That's why in the book of Deuteronomy, he's always saying, remember. Remember, do not forget. We all forget. Have you and I lost the sense of awe for the gift of grace that we've received? And do we have gratitude? Or have we instead begun to harbor wicked thoughts? And we've chosen to withhold mercy from someone that has hurt us even though they've asked for forgiveness. Ironically, what happened there? Notice, notice what happened. He went and he choked the other servant, threw him into prison. That's what we do and we don't forget. We're punishing. Right? That's what we do. We're punishing. Now, no relationship with you. You suffer with that. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. So the challenge today is, would we remember God's mercy? Would we ask him to give us once again his heart of mercy so that we could forgive those who have hurt us? And could we be like Thomas More in the story that I started with? Such that we could even pray for those who've hurt us. And our desire is, we want to have fellowship with you even though you've hurt me. And may God make that happen in his supernatural grace and mercy. Would you be willing to make that commitment today? Be willing to put away the heart of bitterness and choose to forgive out of a grateful heart. Let's pray. Oh, precious Father, you are so patient with us. We just want to give you praise because we know our sin. It's always before us. And Lord, you are willing to send your own son. Lord, not only was the debt billions of dollars great, you had to pay it through punishing your own son. Lord, forgive us when we forget that. And we choose selfish and wicked thoughts. Lord, I pray today, through the power of your Holy Spirit, and through the truth of your word, Lord, you would give courage 
to those who are caught in the trap of bitterness. And they are, they feel they're unable to forgive. Lord, set them free today as they humble themselves before you. Lord, and as Paul asked Philemon, Lord, that everybody could share in the joy of reconciliation that is genuine from the heart. Lord, take our hearts of stone and make them as soft as flesh. Only you can do that. Honor yourself this week, Lord.